This is Inspired to Impact. I'm your host, James Campbell. Today we have with us Ms. Melissa Hankinson, an educator at the Atlanta Girls School, specializing in science. And this particular episode was originally recorded during the summertime, and we're bringing it to you as a celebration of the beginning of the school year. So we're going to jump right into our conversation with Melissa. Thank you and have a great day. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? So one of the questions I love to start off with is asking you, what was your path to education? Mm. I feel like I was always an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up teaching gymnastics. I grew up um, always working with children and teaching in some way. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated from my undergraduate degree, I thought I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. I didn't want to to continue doing the thing that I'd always done. Um, So... I went into Stream and Wetlands uh, Restoration. So I was a field ecologist for three years. Okay. I did ARC GIS. I did field work. I wrote reports uh, to the EPD. That's the Environmental Protection Division. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I learned a lot in, okay. in three years. I, was, I learned um, how to work in, on a team. I learned how to be a woman in a male-dominated field. I was the only woman who ever did field work um, in the company that I worked for. I was on all-male teams. And so I really learned how to pull my weight and how to communicate um, in a very male-dominated atmosphere, which I think really benefited me. I gained I gained a lot through the experience. But by the end of it, I would often sit in my office just pushing myself to make my eight hours, to not make a Melissa-shaped hole in the wall, because I I had so much pent-up energy and curiosity and um, desire to to use the best parts of myself, I feel. Um, And so I didn't want to keep feeling every day like I just wanted to make a Melissa-shaped hole in the wall and bolt out of there. Um, So I thought I'd circle back to education. I went to Georgia State, got my Master's of Arts in Teaching Science, and um, haven't looked back. I feel like I am no longer bored. Okay. (laughs) This is not something I struggle with. Um, And I'm using the best parts of myself and my work. Um, And I don't feel like I, I don't feel like, although my work was charismatic and it was, oh, people were always so excited when they said, I do stream and wetlands restoration, but it was hollow for me. It really didn't use the best parts of me. and of course, you know how people respond to you when you say you're a teacher. They're uh-huh. like, oh, you bless your heart or something. <laughs> I know. But, you know, um, even though I have to sell myself a little differently in cocktail parties, um, you know, it's, it's it really has been a change that's used the best parts of me. And I feel every day like I am... I am certainly challenged every uh-huh. day. And uh, I do feel like I'm able to bring the best parts of, of who I am um, into my classroom and leverage those for my students. Excellent. I want to backtrack to your first position out of college just real quickly. You said you're in a male-dominated position or mm-hmm. a male-dominated field. What were some of the skills that you had to incorporate or learn in order to be successful in that 
because I know right now you're working at an all-girls school, mm-hmm. so I imagine you incorporate or help them with some of those. But what are some skills you say that you had to have, you had to grow in order to be oh, successful? I had, I had to not, exp- I had to get comfortable not asking preemptive questions. I had to get comfortable just doing it. Okay. And accepting that maybe it wasn't perfect, but that was okay because I wanted I wanted to be excellent and I think a lot of our girls struggle with this. I want to know exactly what's needed from me mm-hmm. so that I can execute it perfectly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I had to get really comfortable, but when you are the youngest member when you're of a team, when you're the only female member of a team, you, there's only so much, so many I can't sit with my superior, you know, for 45 minutes in order to understand every aspect of how to do the thing that they've asked me to do. Mm-hmm. So I really had to um, buck up and accept that I was going to do something uh-huh. and it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to be very strategic about what questions I asked and what questions I just held on to. And I learned that it was, it was going to be fine. Right. 98% of the time, whatever I did was exactly what they wanted, and I didn't need to ask 30 minutes of questions to achieve it. Right. So I imagine you deal with girls who feel like they have to be perfect, they have to have the right answers, so they come to you back and forth. How do you teach them that skill that you just described as far as being preemptive or just making a decision and moving out on it? Mm. A lot of it, I think, comes down to trust. So I, I work really hard to establish a trusting relationship with my students at the beginning of the year so that later on when I say it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. I, I've given you I've given you enough okay and I need you to fill in the rest they're willing to make that leap because okay. um, the, the only you you can't really teach it girls just have to be willing to do it and if girls can be willing to do that, to fill in the, the gaps, to trust themselves, to walk forward on a path, not knowing every single possible possibility or eventuality, mm-hmm. um, it, they learn to trust themselves. Okay. But I think that that has to happen, or it happens best when they trust me, that what they, what they that I'm gonna redirect them if mm-hmm. they're really out in left field. Okay. But that if they just move through the process and they, they keep going and they do what they're going to do and they, they, you know, meet my expectations, that it's going to be fine. Um, and it, but I think they just have, it's, learning it is just practicing it. Okay. Just walking off the cliff and doing what you're going to do and trusting that it's going to be okay. Uh, and it's a lot easier to do that when you have that kind of trust with the person who's evaluating you. Okay. Um, rather than waiting until after college and it's your first job and you don't know anyone and you don't know if you have any any trust and you really want to ask 4,000 questions because yes. you want to know exactly what you want to do or what's expected of you. Um, so I think that answers your yeah. question. So can you picture in your mind that one student where you maybe she struggled with this but then over the course of the year she got it? Can you share yeah. a story with us? Um, I won't use her name, Um, but she was a student who would come in after school. I remember in seventh grade, so it's not just a single year. I mean, of course, we work in a place where I get to teach students over the course of their 6th through 12th education. Uh So in seventh grade, she would ask for every little project that she did. She would ask me, so is this good enough or Uh is this what you're looking for or, you know, 
would you read that sentence and then this next one? Yes. And then the one after that? <laughs> and, um, you know, it started in seventh grade with me saying, okay, here's what you did and here's the rubric that I wrote. You tell me, are you meeting these criteria? Mm -hmm. You tell me. Are you, are you meeting my expectations? Right. Is this meeting your expectations? So it really started there. But, you know, when I taught that student again in AP Environmental Science, you okay. know, three, four years later, um, she really, she started the year with that same uncertainty, wanting to make sure, wanting to know what she was going to have to do on the test before she took the test, wanting to get that confidence that not only was she going to do fine, that she was going to do exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. um, and it took one or two tutorial sessions where I, all right, here's what I say you need to do. Here's mm -hmm. what you're, here's what you've already done. Can you accept that you've done enough? Can you, you know, embrace the fact that you just have to do this. You right. just have to step off the cliff. And then by the end of the year, you know, she would score really well. Sometimes she wouldn't score really well other times, but she gained, she was trusting herself. Right. That she was doing what she needed to do. And that <clears throat> if she walked, she trusted her her process, you know, and that, and she trusted her ability to read and understand. Uh-huh. And um, I think that, that by the end of the year, she was just really soaring because she learned to trust herself. Okay, excellent. I want to cycle back to something that you stated earlier when you're at a cocktail party, you introduce yourself as a teacher and people give you that look of, oh, bless your heart or I'll pray for you or whatever they say right. to you. <laughs> what do you tell people that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, as an educator, as a teacher? What do you, how do you share the greatness of your work? Mm -hmm. I think... For a non-teacher audience, mm -hmm. um, I can share, I think that the first thing I share is the breadth of things that I teach, um, that I have the opportunity to teach AP Environmental Science, STEAM Foundations, Computer Science, Life Science, Biology, and I think that helps them see that I'm more than the automaton teacher that they had in mind when I said the word teacher. Um, and, and, and then I, I usually talk about some of the amazing things my students are doing, where mm -hmm. my students are going, and, and what they're doing. And we have such rich stories to tell, right. you know, with our students here. I have girls who started their own business who are sitting in my classroom. Mm -hmm. I've got girls who, after taking my AP Environmental Science, they had one plan for their life. Okay. And then after taking AP Environmental Science, they were so inspired that they took on a new path and now they're doing environmental engineering at uh -huh. Georgia Tech and you know um, I think that that, that kind of impact um, the, the the fact that I'm doing meaningful work that makes that enriches my spirit but also um, <clears throat> is that I'm not just putting more dollars in a corporation's pocket I'm I'm helping girls <laughs> Um, grow into grow into leaders. Grow into people who um, really love what they do. Right. Um, and I think that that's the story that I that I like to tell. Um, I talk about how I travel with my students and how much uh, we learn together and how 
and how much fun I'm able to have in yeah. my classroom. Because I think that's something a lot of people are envious of. Um, I think doing meaningful work is something, uh -huh. especially in the circles. Like I think about my husband's a software engineer. You know, there's a lot of folks who are working doing enterprise software, which is kind of soul-sucking work, <laughs> though it pays well. Yes. Right. Okay. And so there's a lot of people. You know, so so often teachers. I mean, obviously, we're, we do it for the money, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Totally. The millions. Uh, <laughs> Making the big bucks. But, um, but I do think that there is, there are a lot of people who, for you know, who look at doing meaningful work, work that you can see the impact of in real time when mm -hmm. you see a, I mean, you've got to be a bit of a growth junkie if you're going to be a teacher. Right. Um, but you can see that growth um, in a student. You can see that growth in yourself. Um, and I'm growing my students. I'm growing myself. And I think that that's something that people look favorably upon. Uh -huh. It just takes a conversation to get there. you got to get past the word teacher. Right. <laughs> exactly. So... There are a lot of initiatives, there are a lot of strategies that people utilize to try to educate students. Do you have a particular go-to strategy or initiative that you use that you found has been successful? And if so, what is it and how do you incorporate that strategy or that initiative into your classroom? I guess, you know, there, it's, it's easy to get lost in the acronyms of education, mm -hmm. but I think the idea that is most valuable to me is the idea of a learning cycle and mm -hmm. um, that you've got to you've got to engage students curiosity first mm -hmm. and then and then they can have the opportunity to dive in and wrestle with an idea um, I try especially teaching science not to say this is fact this right. is what it is um, but rather and this is easier in lower grades than as you get into like AP environmental science. We have so much content to cover. But I, I work hard to allow students to see an idea and wrestle with the data and come to their own conclusion. And okay. I think that that's a, really important, that's a really important piece of education. And I think that's why my class is so effective, is that I'm not the stage on the stage telling the students mm. what to think or how to approach this or why everything they're doing is awful. Right? <laughs> um, I, think it's really, I think it's really important to lay it out there and let students use those higher order thinking skills that we keep talking about right. to draw their own conclusions. And I give them a lot of diverse perspectives, and I give them a rich amount of data to, to process through. But ultimately, the idea that you of, of that learning is a cycle, right? That you that you hook and you get their their curiosity primed, and then you present some information that doesn't necessarily have the answer or the conclusion or you know everything they'll need for the test. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And then that'll spiral into, you know, the next piece of learning where we're, we're hooking curiosity, we're providing mm -hmm. opportunities to understand a variety of perspectives in a rich way, and then students can draw their own conclusion. Yeah. Right? So the idea of a learning cycle is, I think, Great. the most foundational. Great. Well, thank you. Well, I appreciate your time today. I know teachers are very busy, and we're actually a summer break for you, which is really, is it really a summer break, or do, are you doing work over the summer? I'm doing some work. I yeah. mean, I drop, I drop school hard okay. after, <laughs> after post-planning. Yeah. So I've been pretty much um, 
out of out of commission for the last couple of weeks. Okay. And pick it, I pick things up slowly. Okay. So it's not all vacation over the two months that you're away from your students? <laughs> no. Okay. I'll be doing some work here and there. Gotcha. I want to close out our session today, our conversation, with asking you one more question. If you had one word you would use to describe yourself, what is that one word, and why would you choose that word? I'd choose curious. Okay. Um, I love going, I love to cultivate my own curiosity. I, I mean, it's, it's really, I love going places where I can watch and wonder at the world. I mean, I teach science because the, this world is amazing. And, okay. and, it's, and it's all of one piece. And everything that we do has, has effects so far beyond what we can observe. Um, so, you know, I just came back from Dry Tortugas where I was in the, this beautiful Gulf of Mexico, Caribbean Sea, watching this coral and just wondering, you know, and feeding my curiosity, going back and, and using my book to, to learn more about what the interactions that I might have saw and what is, what is that black thing <laughs> that looks like a... a like a rock but it's soft and I don't know what it is and, uh -huh. and that's what I love about the natural world is that there is no end to the curiosity there's so much we don't know yes. you know a professor a visiting professor came to talk about the mating behavior of nerve sharks and we don't know so much more than we already know and that's why science is um, what I want to teach students about is that the, the story um, of science is so much more about what we don't know and right. what your curiosity can uncover than it is about what we've learned. So there you have it. That was Melissa Hankinson, an amazing educator at the Atlanta Girls School. And if you're interested in hearing more of Inspire to Impact, please join us again next week. We'll be airing every Thursday. So we have a lot of amazing educators lined up. And if you know of any amazing educators who would like to share their story, please have them reach out. Thank you. Have a great day.